I'm back. This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Joining me is Ronald Huey, head coach of University of Houston Women's Basketball. Coach Huey, thank you very much for joining me. How you doing? Chris, man, it's always an honor, man. I know we've been fighting to try to get this one in. I really appreciate your patience, and I'm always happy to be um, for the face-to-face with you because, you know, you represent who we are from University of Houston and being in Houston, and you've been there from day one. So I appreciate that. No problem. Thank you for the prompts. Let's get right into it. You know, with COVID, I didn't see y'all face-to-face last season. (laughs) So just summarize last season off the court, what you had to deal with, and then on the court, the success y'all did have despite cancellations and postponements, all those things. Yeah, off the court, I start with was um, extremely new and hard, you know, especially when, you know, 18 and 22 year old uh, young adults are used to going and, and have an opportunity to be and share times and fellowship with their friends and do those things. And now that was being taken away. The other part was the high risk of, you know, actually being near someone and they're breathing on you that you can possibly get something or they sneeze or whatever the case may be, you could get COVID. And that was really scary. So before we could even get to any workouts or any of that stuff, we had to sit down with doctors. Um, just to kind of educate our young ladies and our staff and on how to approach things and, and to see if we even wanted to have a season, you know, because that was the first thing. You Like COVID came, you know, it was a whirlwind. And uh, I, I endured so many parent calls. I mean, it was, you know, you're not thinking about the best interests of my child. You're thinking about basketball, you know. And so we had to, you know, come at it a different way with the educational piece to be able to, uh, fully get them to understand and, and go from there. But it was really trying, man. I mean, it was so many days where we didn't have full practices. And, you know, you can, you know, just to give you an example, our workout was one kid at one basket, another one at another basket. There was four in the gym. They were all at one basket with one ball um, with their mask on and they had to try to do a workout shooting workout by themselves with no coach or anything. Um, and that's how we started. And when they got done, they had to leave their ball right there. They had to go out the side door, the back door, and we had to go in cleaning crew, clean the balls, take those balls, get new balls and bring them over there, kind of spray down the, the whole area in the gym and then let the next four come in. So you had like a 30 to 40 minute window before you could even get, and it, it was just crazy like that. And then it just changed the travel so much. You know, even with our buses, we all had to get on the bus. You sanitize all your seats. We didn't carry any extra food that you had to open up. It was all snack stuff that was already sealed. Um, it wasn't in stopping for the bathroom. You know, it wasn't any, you know, it was those kind of things. So we had to make sure we endured that end. Then when we did fly, you know, middle seats, Face mask, gloves on when she got on there. Some of did, some people even did double mask. Uh, again, you get into the hotel. Now we're carrying these COVID bags with wipes, spray, hand sanitizer, uh, gloves. Uh, I mean, mask, everything in there. And so the first thing they had to do when they got into their room was wipe down everything. You know, so that was totally new off the court for us. On the court, it was almost back to normal where you could kind of woosah a little bit, you know, 
And so we played the game. But after the game, now you had 48 hours just to wait to see if one of the other teams got COVID or any of your kids shot to show symptoms. And now it was going to knock people out for the next game based on the minutes they play and the position they play. Or if you had a chance to guard that person for more than seven or eight minutes of the game. So that was new. So it always kept you on the edge of your seat waiting on that next call to see if everything was okay. And I mean, hats off to our trainer, Kaylee, because she was the most stressed and the person that endured the most besides myself. I mean, and there were some days that I was like, Kaylee, we have to win this game. And you telling me I only have five kids that could practice today. You know, so now you got to try to go and say, can I at least have them in film? Or can we at least do this? And can we zoom with them? You know, those kind of things. So it was really crazy. Um, but, you know, I, that's where the staff and the kids and, you know, everybody that when we say we're all in, we're all in every single day. And it, it started to show because, you know, it started to show in the season when in games because it was more mental prep than it was physical prep for us. So and that's when the kids started to do it, started to get it. You know, that, that's why I love the system that we have. You get better with it and we don't change as we go. So when that scout come up, we don't say we got to guard this team different or we have to change what we do offense because of this team. We don't do that. We make people adjust to us. And that's the thing that helped us as the season went on. So everybody started to get in the flow of understanding. If I just get better at my craft or what I do, it's going to take care of a lot of things. And um, hats off to all the girls and, and the staff for doing it. I, I, I want to ask you, you touched on it at the beginning. Was there, did the team discuss that, yo, know, coach, we don't want to play this season? Oh, yeah. How long, yeah. When, when, when was that in June, July, August? How close to that? September? When was that? Uh, that was uh, October when we started practicing, right before we started practicing. So they really, now, really thought about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we sat down and had meetings and talked about it. Yeah. Because again, I told them, listen, I have a two year old at, at home at the time. Mm -hmm. He's three now. I have a wife, you know, I have. So again, if you're not going to abide by the things that we're doing right now and bring risk to yourself and your teammates and your family and all of that, we might not have this season. You know, again, we needed everybody to be all in and look each other in the eye. And I think we grew so much in accountability that it was tremendous. But it started because of those conversations. Then we had it again when we got COVID. Right. You know, we had to cancel the South Florida game and that kind of that trip. And it, we had another blow right then and there. Do we continue the season or do we not continue the season? We had that and we had seven or eight kids. It was like, I don't know about I want to continue the season right now. They some of them had COVID. Some of them were, um, you know, just because of the uh, contact tracing had to sit out and all that. And it was right around the time when we had to go to Memphis to play that game. And, you know, we had to go with the bench kids and a couple other starters, but that was, that was trying times. That was trying times. So we had that conversation again. We, I mean, we was on zoom probably three times a week with the doctors. I mean, we even had pairs on the call, you know, just to let them know that here, here's the deal. You know, you're not going to lose your scholarship, you know, this kind of stuff. And so again, I think if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have gotten through the season. And, Dealing with COVID, you even had some key players get injured. Yes. And you had to deal with that too. So <laughs> just talk about those players and the injuries. I mean, 
you know, first when you talk about Julia Blackshear Fair, you know, tearing her ACL was such a, a freak accident for her because she's one of the strongest, most athletic kids on our team. And um, then you had Diamond Gladney just come up at the end with the plantar fascia stuff um, that we were really like, didn't even know where that came out of the blue um, during that game. Um, and I'm trying to remember who else got injured. I think some other people got injured for a game. And so I remember Tatiana having her, her thumb, you know, she didn't miss the game, but she wasn't effective as she needed to. But yeah, those injuries really took a toll on us down the stretch. And despite all that injuries and COVID team finished 17 and eight, most wins for this program in uh, the American athletic conference in the AAC. So how, how did you do that, coach? How do you make all that happen and still deal with all the adversity and still go 17 and 8? Well, I tell you, it's a, it's a lot of help from the man upstairs. I tell you that. <laughs> um, I think the group got really, really uh, connected with each other. And it was funny because the years before when we could do so much team bonding to try to have them connected, we had so much adversity this year with COVID and all that kind of stuff. And it brought us together like crazy. Um, I, I think the growth that some of the players, Layla Blair and um, uh, Brittany um, and Erica and some of those growth kids came in and, and really sparked us as well with the Diamonds and the Tatianas and, and, and Jasmine, you know, of course. Those kids bought in and saw where I can have an opportunity to play a major role if I would just get myself and be uh, committed the entire time and have some accountability on myself. But um, I think the coaches ultimately did a great job as well because we had so much one-on-one -on -one and two-on-two, -two, Chris, because of the days that we couldn't have practice. When we got to a point to the season where the coaches can go in with them and work them out and those kind of things, I think the coaches did a tremendous job of doing those kind of things. Now you're doing those extra film sessions because you can't be on the floor. You're doing those extra weight sessions, jazz, no, those kind of people, because, again, you can't be with your team and do things. And I think those things, all those little things, small steps added up to the big steps we took in conference and, and were able to to make the jump that we made. And you, you mentioned her name, Jazz, Jasmine Lewis. She really had a breakout year, I think. I think she began to scratch the surface of her potential. You know, she's six four, six five, big body. When she gets it down low, there's not really many people in the conference that can deal with her. Did Is that a matter of her confidence growing and, and, and believing she can get it done? It, it started, you know, every year we start off and we have role meetings. Um, I bring them in with their position coach and I said, this is your role based on where we are right now from what you did this summer and where you are right now. And the first, you know, we, we probably have those meetings right two weeks before the season. And Jasmine said, Coach Huey, I'm not sitting on the bench this year and I need you to continue to coach me hard. Because, again, I know I have it in me. I just need help pulling it out. And that was the thing that that pushed it along. And her mom, I mean, Miss Michelle was like, Coach Huey, don't let Jazz feed you any BS. Just go ahead and get on her butt. And, and that was it. And so when we got to practice, we saw a different Jazz when she started to lower that elbow into Tatiana's neck. They started making some layups. And we was like, oh, Jazz is not just going for being pushed around again. 
And now I just told Jazz now, because she already knew what she needed to be on the floor. She just needed to be there with maximum effort. And she needed to take care of her diet. And she bought into those things and the sky's the limit from there. But again, like you said, when she made up her mind, she was tremendous for us. Layla Blair, freshman, and because of the NCAA rules, technically she'll be a freshman again this coming season. <laughs> yeah. But just what are your thoughts on how she did last year in her first year in college ball? I thought Layla, you know, her faith was the thing that carried her most. Um, when she wasn't playing early and that kind of stuff and other people tried to get in her ear and, you know, she was the one that said, no, I'm in the best place for me. I know the staff and Coach Huey and everybody else has my back and they're just helping me get to where I need to be. Because I explained to all the freshmen, it's not a regular year. So you're not going to have all those practices and those 13 non-conference games before we get in the conference. And it's going to be different for you. It's going to take a little longer. And and she bought into that. You know, she's the one kid that we've had in the program that our men's staff have said, you're a gym rat. She's the one that woke our trainer up almost every morning. What time are you going to get to the gym, Kaylee? I'm going to be there with you. You know, again, it's 630, 645, Layla Blair getting all those shots up, doing what she need to do on that. And I told her, I said, Layla, when the light comes on for you on the offense and the defensive end, you're going to break into the starting lineup and you won't leave it. And she said, I, be I believe you, coach. And it started to happen for her. And I was just, you know, at the beginning, we just had to get her to play with other people. You know, she got in the Oklahoma game and had 12 points in 12 minutes. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of passing. You know, right. I remember that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what like Layla, we went back and, you know, the other key thing was I watched film with her. You know, she was already watching with the assistant coach and watching with Ty and all of that. And she told me this. She said that was the difference for me. You know, you will bring me in. You will watch film and it wasn't long. But you, this is a good play. This is a so-so play. This is not a good play. You know, those kind of things. And, you know, it's not many times where the head coach is going to take a lot of time with freshmen you know, all the time, but I did it all year because I knew the sacrifice that we needed to make throughout everybody on the team. You know, it was just tremendous of, of where we could be able to take it because again, because of the early work that she did, that's why I knew at the end of the Arizona State game, I can put the ball in her hand for the last seven minutes and count on her to make plays and we can go up and down without her, with her. What would you like to see her work on for this coming season and improve her game? Just being consistent. You know, that, that's the thing with her. She, she's in the gym every day. Now she got a consistently guard, um, you know, where she would go through with people from one side to the other, stop at the basket line consistently, you know, go rebound consistently when you're in the paint. Um, don't wait for the ball on outlets. Get above the free throw line. Sometimes, you know, they're high school. They run to the ball, you know. Those kind of things. So the things that we outlined that you need to consistently do to continue to get better, do those things. Um, I, I really want her to be, you know, in USA trials and, and things like that next year. Um, I, I think it's time. It's time Houston have another one. What let's talk about conference play last season. What did you like about the success? What disappointed you? Just overall summary of uh, U of A's conference play. What I loved about the success was the team coming together and fighting through all of it. You know, like I know, Chris, you don't watch a lot of games. And, you know, there were some times that we were up and ready to go and, and had the lead. And then you would lose it in the last minute or two. 
Um, there were times we went on the road and, and and win a game, then come back home and lose. And there were times that we were, you know, in 17, 18, you know, we win all those games. And then next thing you know, you come down and you lose to the Tulsa, who was in last place at the time, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was just proud of them for sticking together and, and, and fighting through and said we want to battle and be in the top three and possibly win it. Um, the thing I didn't like was all the, the different time changes that we had throughout because of COVID and adjusting and things like that that was out of our control. You know, sometimes it made preparation really hard. Sometimes it, it puts a strain on the kids. Um, you know, we're flying in, we're supposed to play at two. And now, you know, they moved the game to 12 and you plan at 12 now, you know, 24 hours before, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was out of our hands because of COVID, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, we was getting ready to play East Carolina. We was getting ready to get on the flight and they said, wait, you know, might have a possible, um, you know, positive test. So now it throws off everything. And, you know, four hours later, two hours, two or three hours later, we find out that it was a false positive so we could get on the plane. But now you get to the hotel, you can't go to practice because it's nine o'clock when you get there. So you can't have a shoot around because the game is already at 12, you know. So it's it's just those things that I didn't like, but that were out of our control. Um, but just happy we got through it. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I think the Florida schools, um, we have to, you know, take a stand. You know, it, it's that time. That's um, like, you're leading into my next question. I was going to ask you, what year is this for you at U of H's going in your seventh? Uh, just finished seventh. So going into your eighth year. So where is the program in your eyes? Is it close to where you want it to be? Is it not where you thought it'd be when you first started? Where are they, where's U of H basketball in your eyes going forward? Chris, I actually thought after 17, 18, 18, 19 would be the year that we would be able to do it and, and do what we need to do. Um, but we had a down year. We weren't really down. We still finished in the top five and, you know, but that was the disappointing. Um, now I think we have to leapfrog and go ahead and jump right to the championship. You know, we won the game and you made it to the semifinals in the conference tournament. You made it to the top three and all that kind of stuff. And all that is good. And that's a good pat on the back and all that kind of stuff. But we're not in the more victories. It's time to win the championship. It's time to consistently get to the NCAA tournament. And you were speaking of the NCAA tournament. You were the first of the first four out. You were, you know, because of COVID, UVH was an alternate in case a school that was in a tournament had a positive test and couldn't participate in COVID. So what was that like? <laughs> I mean, how did that work? And how did they explain it to you? You still went to WNIT. You, you're kind of in limbo going, should we go to San Antonio? Should we go to Fort Worth? How was that? How did that all work out? <laughs> exactly. Chris, when I got the call about it, man, it just, it just punched you in the gut because it's like the season starting all over again. You know, it's just everything up in the air, whether or not we're going to have a season, you know, all that kind of stuff. So now they're saying, go ahead and travel with the WNIT, but you're going to be in San Antonio, in uh, Fort Worth, but you can, drive over to San Antonio if we need you. And I'm like, well, we'd rather just come to San Antonio and just, you know, wait, no, 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 don't do that, you know. So, again, that was that what it was. And so we got a call in the morning that say everybody's, you know, passed the test. And we got a call in the afternoon saying the same thing. And it got a little tricky around, I think, the third day. Um, the day before, 
um, the NCAA tournament started where um, I started getting some calls from other people on other teams saying they had some people to test positive and those kind of things. And I was like, really? And like, yeah, so you should be getting a call. And then I called like, no, it's nothing. I'm like, stop playing. I just, my friends just told me, you know, you know, and then it turned out a bunch of false positives and things like that. And so, but our kids were on edge. So I tried not to give them any information. I just tried to tell them we're in the WNIT. Let's just go with it and those kind of things. But again, they know they're on social media. They know all the stuff too. You can try to hide it, but. Again, they can read your body language because I was still a little disappointed as well. Um, and then you have everybody else calling you like, y'all in yet? Y'all in yet? You got the call yet? You know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, again, it, it just gets to a point to where you're like, man, forget it. And, again, that's what we had to do and just focus on the WNIT because, it's, you know, nobody uh, checked out because of COVID in the NCAA tournament. When you, when you are – when the team is in the first four out, and does not get the call to be in the NCAA tournament. Does the committee or you as a coach, did you reach out to the committee and ask them, you know, what could we have done? What do we need to do? What, what kept us out kind of questions? Yeah. Ms. Chizer, I talked to Ms. Chizer and she talked to the committee and they felt like the Cincinnati game was the game. If we won the Cincinnati game, and we played better in the semifinals game by 10 or less, something like that, lost by 10 or less, we were in the tournament. Um, they felt like since we lost the Cincinnati game, we had to make it to the championship game. Um, the third scenario was there was still a possibility with us, even with the loss, with both losses, with the Cincinnati loss and the UCF loss, if that didn't happen with Missouri State and and Butler, let me say a Bradley and all of that, so we was we still had a chance to get in there. Um, but when that happened, and and us, what is uh, Missouri State didn't go to their conference tournament, and then right. Bradley, I think, ended up winning it and then getting a bid. I think that's who won it. I'm not sure, but um, that knocked us out for sure. How frustrating was that for you? Tremendously. Um, I called, um, uh, what's her name at Missouri State? I can't think her name right now. I know you're talking about. I know the coach. Uh, talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mox. Coach Mox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said, Huey, you know, I, I feel for you, but I just couldn't put my kids and risk them playing that game and getting COVID. And, you know, as bad as I wanted to be upset with her, I would have did the same thing especially when I'm undefeated in conference. I know we can beat all the teams. We already won the conference tournament. I know I'm going to the tournament. You know, I, I don't think I would have risked it either. And um, that, that it, it really punched you in the gut when you, when, you, when you see that, when you know your kids work their tail off to get there and all the obstacles that you had to go through just to get to play a game, um, it really hurts. <clears throat> Last season was the first for women's basketball for for that metric, the the net that uh, been around on the men's side. I think two years previous. What you know? What you learn about it? What did they explain to you? Because it was still, especially last this past season because of COVID, it it seemed incomplete. Like, Very. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, could could 
Did they explain it to you how it worked last season? Well, they explained it to us, but again, like everything else, they just said it just has so many other possibilities. So to give you one example, we could win, we could play a power five at home and beat them. Let's say we play UVA at home and beat them, um, but go on the road and lose to UTA. The UTA loss um, on the road will hurt more than us winning that we thought would help us more with the power five. And we didn't understand that. It's things like that. So again, another example, Stephen F. Austin, who had, a, a, I think they were like five points better than us in the net that we beat. And they didn't have a, a outside power five win or anything like that, but they were still five points ahead of us. Um, I think we were like a 52 and they were like a 47. And by the time it came around to the tournament time, there was like a 29. And so yeah, we're that, to, their, their net was, was really, really good. Yeah. And they're trying <laughs> yeah. to figure out how, you know, and they ultimately came and said they, because they won their games. I said, but they're playing teams in their conference, which are Southland teams, but teams that didn't even have a 500 record. And they were counting those things. As a, I said, so in our conference, non-conference, can we just go ahead and get 13 winnable games and be able to, but that's not going to help you. What do you mean? That's what they just did in conference, you know, but it's some of those things that they're still trying to work out. And I think if they would have started when the men started, we would have been further along, but now it's still confusing because again, it's, uh, trying to, uh, balance things off of, of one year. And now going into the second year of it. Yeah, because what I was told, a potential reason SFA's rank was that was so good was because of their defensive numbers were so outstanding. And I'm, I'm like, okay, but they didn't beat anybody in non-conference. They didn't, <laughs> you know, th those things. So now you're telling me you're giving them credit for their great defense, but not really penalizing them for who they did not play. Exactly. So. So hopefully they'll look, the committee will look at that and do some tweaking for this coming season with the net. Let's look toward this coming season, 2021-22 season. Who do you have coming back? Who are your newcomers? Um, you know, we have everybody coming back from Diamond Gladney to Julia Blackshell Fair to Brittany, um, Erica and, you know, Erica and Juju both are in grad school and they both are coming back because of COVID, giving them that extra year. Okay. I, I knew Juju was coming back. I didn't know Erica was coming back. Okay. Yeah. Erica's back as well. Uh, Tatiana and, um, um, Jasmine and, you know, Bria, of course, is, is, is back. Um, Layla Blair, of course. Layla Blair, of course, our newcomer, uh, Cameron. Is back. Uh, one of our freshmen last year and Taylor is back. Um, I'm trying to see if I admit anybody. I think that's out of all our returners. Um, our newcomers, we have, um, AJ that we call AJ as her name is Asha. She transferred from our ODU, played at DeSoto, uh, with Bria. Uh, so she's one of our newcomers. Uh, Tierra Young that transferred from LSU is another one of our newcomers. Um, uh, Tamara, Tamara, um, is a newcomer. She was a JUCO player this past year. She's not on campus yet. 
Uh, she will be on campus on July the 10th. Uh, she had to finish up uh, some some classes and and make sure her GPA was where she needed to be and, and graduate. She had already graduated. Just uh, U of H, we always ask for a little bit more um, on the curriculum for, for people to get in school, and, and she's finishing that up. Um, she's a tremendous 6'2 kid that can play all positions. Um, then we, for two, you know, 6'4", 6'5", the transfer from Purdue, um, grad student, be our first one that we recruited grad student. Um, so plus international. So it's been a, it's been a, a, a ride with her with getting her in and getting her in the grad school and her visa and all that kind of stuff. And it's one more I'm forgetting. Kendall Brown, our freshman. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Kendall is, uh, played with Bria and, uh, um, AJ and Kendall is there on campus competing with everybody else now. And, you know, we're really looking forward. I think this team can go far. And that sounds like you got three from DeSoto. Is that right? Is it more than three or just three? It's just three. So you, you got the pipeline working there, coach? <laughs> and trying to keep it, you know, with and Kenny Creel. Yeah, what I was going to say, because, yeah, because <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm showing my age because I covered Katie Creel when she hooped at U of H. That's so, right. So, yeah, I, I I remember her playing days at the University of Houston. Now she's an assistant coach at DeSoto. So that's good, man, because there's a lot of talent at DeSoto, as you know. So Exactly. When they just had one commit to Texas, one commit to Kentucky, another one went to uh, Texas Tech. So there, it's a lot of talent there. Who you got in your non-conference schedule? Well, no, no. First, let's talk about it because one of the games, a few of the games, the Cancun Challenge. Yes. So, so talk about the Cancun Challenge. Right now, unless I can get somebody to stay with my mom, I'm not going to go, but I still got the plane ticket, so we'll see. We still got some time to make it work, but I'll, we'll see how that goes. Let's talk about the Cancun Challenge because y'all are scheduled to play Baylor. Yes. So talk about that, Coach. How, how did that happen? How did it, because weren't you guys supposed to play in that last season? We were supposed to play in it last year because of COVID. They tried to move it to Florida. And then, you know, they were lining up teams. And, and so just like everybody else across the country, um, administration started saying, you know, you need to do less travel and, you know, those kind of things. And so they didn't want us to, to travel to go and play tournaments. And then, the risk of trying to play three games in one place and hotels and kids moving around and beaches and all that kind of stuff. And it was just going to be too tempting um, for the kids to try to get out and try to do stuff and possibly contact COVID. And now instead of knocking out one team, your team, you're going to knock out three teams. And then how are you going to get those teams to travel back when they got COVID? Cause you can't get on the flight, that kind of stuff. So where you go, it's just going to open up a whole kind of worm. So that's why we didn't do the tournament last year. Um, but yeah, we um looking forward to it. We we're originally supposed to play Florida State um in the uh, Cancun Challenge, but I don't think they're traveling out of the country again this year. Um and that's how we picked up Baylor and Arizona State and Fordham is the the third team. And just looking forward to, you know, coming out of this year and you no, know, we had three power five wins last year. I think we had three. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to make sure we continue to keep our name relevant. We want to always play top competition and 
You know, Baylor is is right up there when you're talking about, you know, top five in the country. You know, again, we were always talking about was an opportunity to plan against Baylor and Texas. I think I talked to you about that as well. Um, so why not? You know, again, at the end of the day, um, all of our kids know all of their kids. And I think it's about a mentality. Uh, Kim Mulkey, um, I thought she was, um, you know, a hell of a coach and, you know, brought a mentality to those kids. So now we have to see how they perform without her. You know, Nikki is um, a great WNBA coach and, you know, first time coach in college as a head coach. I know she was assistant uh, with her husband, Tom, out of Arkansas um, a while back. And but the times have changed now, you know. So, again, we're looking forward to that matchup, just like Arizona State, um, who will be looking for some revenge against us, you know. Uh, and then Fordham, a team that we lost to two years ago, um, that we'll be looking for some revenge to, you know, when we play in that tournament up there. So I thought it would be some really challenging games, some games that can put us on the map, some games that will make the committee take notice, you know, and, and help us in the strength of schedule when it comes to that net. We're almost done, Coach. Uh, but speaking with Ronald Huey, head coach of U of H Women's Basketball, can you disclose any other non-conference opponents uh, yet? Yeah, we just signed a contract to do a home-and-home home with Florida State. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Uh, starting this season? Starting this season, we'll travel there first. Um, then they'll come back to us. And um, our SEC, AAC challenge is Alabama again. Um, so we'll go there again just because last year was a COVID year and we just picked up a game when we went there. Um, so, so those two will be really good games for us. And, um, you know, I think one of the other games we just got the contract back on is, uh, at Stephen F. Austin. Okay. And, yeah. And so those are some of the non-conference games that we're really looking forward to and I thought would help our strength the schedule and be able to put us where we need to be. I think, uh, the AAC has gone back to 16 conference games. Is that right? Exactly. 16 conference games. So that means more non-conference games. Do you like that? I, I would love to to be at 18 conference games. I think that's what the men are doing. Yes. I think I would love to be there. And um, but it, it's all the same, Chris. You, it's all about the left column. You just got to win, <laughs> win your games, whether you're playing 16, 18 or 20. What are your thoughts on ESPN Plus and AAC Women's Basketball? I thought it was a tremendous platform for us. I think we need to do more. Uh, I, I think it needs to be a, a place where people uh, just like turning the 206 ESPN. You know, I think it needs to be that kind of uh, a revenue uh, for us because, again, when you're talking about people going there uh, and watching those games, I think it needs to be where, uh, again, it's a household thing for us. We need to own that. Um, I know it's a lot of conferences in the Big East and all those people and everybody that plays on there. But I think if if we can get more of our games on there, more people are more competitive and winning, it, it'll lead to us using that platform and, and being able to create more from that. You know, I'm still dreaming of the days that, you know, like UConn used to do the big Mondays and the big Thursdays. You know, I want to have opportunities to do those things. You know, again, I think that platform would be something great for us if we, we could be able to elevate to that. I think staff, coaches across the country are about to hit the recruiting trail. What 
What are you looking for in future Cougars? Um, we have a checklist, you know, we, we look for them with, you know, all the kids are going to be talented always, but we look for, you know, whether they're coachable, you know, whether they're going to be able to take some hard coaching or they want somebody to pat them on the back for everything, you know, whether they have some leadership ability, you know, uh, how do they handle adversity when they're down? Do they lose themselves or do they fuss at everybody else or do they try to pick people up? Um, do they continually play hard? You know, everybody talk about we want kids to play hard, play hard, but that's demonstrated on the court each and every time. Um, who they are as a person, you know, their character come out when they're around the gym and they're waiting on games and those kind of they are a kid that's going to be uptight and worried or they're going to be somebody that's loose and ready to go. You know, those things matter. Um, or they're going to be an overthinker when they get on the floor. It's a simple play. You know, are you going to overthink those things? Um, you know, always we want to get bigger in size. You know, you already know at this level, the power fives always try to chew up all the post players, you know, so we want to try to get our nails in some in 23, 24, um, to be able to, um, get them, you know, to come to the University of Houston, um, to play in our system. You know, you got to be a three level scorer. You know, I think that's one of the best things that we have is kids that can shoot the three, can get to the pull up and get to the rim. And those are things that, that we do because it's based on the motion offense that we have. Um, the other thing is being aggressive all the time because, Chris, you know, we defend, we guard. So we, we can't take kids that want to play in, in zone systems in AAU and high school and think we're going to transfer on them to uh, come in and be in a high pressure, 94 feet, the entire game, 40 minutes of pressing when they're not used to that. And, and they're getting their bodies to, to do that. So we like to get kids from pressing systems. Um, so those are the things that we'll be looking for um, when we go out this summer. Two more things. One, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Um, the transfer portal, I think, is going to be good for the kids that, you know, are needing to go someplace and get an opportunity. I think all these grad transfers that, you know, just decided after three years, I'm graduating early and I want to go someplace else. I think they're going to be making a big mistake. Um, it, it's just like you, you can't be you can't go someplace and put all that work in and create a legacy. And then at the last minute switch, I want to go someplace else for another year because it might be look it look better or something like that. And some of them have good opportunities, you know, um, you know. Some of the kids, the, the girl, Chloe, that left LSU to go to Baylor, won a national championship. You know, she knew she was going to a system that fit her. I was going to, they didn't have a point guard, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but everybody's not going to have that situation. And I think a lot of coaches are going to make a lot of mistakes with the transfer portal just because it's just like you and I sitting in front of candy. You know, we, we're going to keep grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it, eating it, eating it. Next thing you know, our tooth is going to be hurting. You know, I think they're going to make a lot of mistakes just because these kids, you know, it's easy. You don't have to recruit them, but maybe two weeks, you know, and then they're they're coming, you know. It's not like when you have to go out now and be able to find them, look and then nurture them and build a relationship with them and all of that. And then on top of that portal, you know, kids are coming from different cultures and different places, you know, so you don't know what you're bringing into your program. You don't know if you're bringing somebody who like to do drugs, somebody who have a mental health issues, somebody who's it, whatever it is, you know, and you could be bringing somebody who's in a leader and a captain as well, you know, on the other side of that. But excuse me. So with us, we only get kids out of the portal that we've had a previous relationship with. 
you know, Tierra Young, we had a previous relationship with. We missed out on her coming out of the, out of high school, and we were in our top three then, and, and we had a chance to get her back. For two, I already knew Rune Grover at JUCO. When she was there, I tried to get her there, but then she went to Purdue. You know, so we already ingrained with these kids that they know us, and the numbers and families are already in our phones. So that's the that's the way we try to get around the portal. Uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be a good thing for all programs. I think you have to be selective on it every year. Um, to probably get one kid, but I, I don't think you can live there. So we're not trying to live there. We're trying to continue to do what we've been doing. And one last thing, U of H has announced fans will be, will be back allowed in the Fertitta Center for capacity. How important is that going to be? Tremendously important, especially coming off a year that we have. Um, you know, like I know, Chris, we've been battling trying to get the fans in. So we've done some things now earlier. So we're doing uh, things with our fan base now with sending them stuff and doing things and season ticket holder and floor seats and all those kind of things, planning all kind of stuff early so we can get crowds to the game. You know, it's it's one thing that, you know, when you go play South Florida and they got 3,000 there, you know, 1,800. When you go to UCF, they're right around 1,000, 1,100, that kind of stuff. We want to get to a consistent, you know, above 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, you know, and that's the thing that we're trying to work on now. We, we Our product has gotten better on the floor. Our kids are, are great, uh, especially when you're talking about a classroom and character and that kind of stuff. Um, so now we're just trying to get people to come and see and, and be able to do that. And and that's where that platform of, you know, ESPN3 and, you know, that kind of stuff kind of gives you a, yeah, if we didn't have that, maybe they'll come to the game. But, no, we need to have them both. We need to have them both, but we have to have those butts in the seats. We have to have them in there. Is there anything you want to mention as we close it out? Name, image, and likeness, Chris. You know we have to talk about that. Well, I didn't know if you want to talk about it. So, I mean, you know, the program was announced yesterday, liftoff. So what are your thoughts on it? I think liftoff is going to be tremendous for us. You know, I just love it. It gives, Chris, I mean, it's it's so good that Layla Blair or any of our players, and I just use Layla as an example, or I can use Julia Blackshell Fair, Julia you know, as a kid that's already out in the community doing stuff, you know, people always want to call and want to talk to her. And can you get her to talk to our kids and mentor? Now they get a chance to be able to say, I am this person. And if you want to invest in me, you can. I think that's so tremendous. You know, long as they don't let it get involved with athletics and they're not, you know, it's not whether it's the BCD or CBD or whatever that kind of stuff is. It's not stuff is is not things that's outlined that are prohibited by the NCAA, only fans, you know, we can't have that kind of stuff promoting parties or whatever, but it's nothing for Starbucks to say, we'd like to have Layla Blair come sign autographs at our place and, you know, promote this because they all drank the stuff, you know, that kind of stuff. I just think it's a tremendous opportunity for those kids to understand now that they can have an opportunity to build their legacy and their wealth right now. You know, I, I think it's tremendous for them to be able to do that. Now they can understand why it's financially to get the financial literacy to be able to say, if you do get something, now I can be able to put it in my bank account or my LLC that I got my name under and it's my business. I've never even heard of an LLC until I started working camps and I got in, you know, out of, I was 25, 26 years old. They're being introduced to it at 18. You know, that's tremendous. You know, it just helps the generation. And, and and just helps our families and our culture as a whole. So I'm really excited about it. And 
the way we're doing it at U of H and, you know, it's just tremendous because everybody's involved. Everybody from uh, uh, AD, uh, Chris Pesman and, and Lauren and Zova Compliance and uh, they all are really, really great. And the kids can walk in and ask questions because I'm still walking in and trying to find out. And it's changing every single day. Um, the rules are different. You know, like we thought Layla Blair, I'm sorry, Jasmine can be able to go home and have a camp and be able to make money for it and all that. But the rules are different in Missouri, Kansas City versus right. in Texas. So that's the stuff like you're still trying to figure out and things like that. So, but I think it's tremendous for them. And it all begins July 1st. Looking forward to it. It's going to open up a lot of eyes and ears for some folks who be looking at, wow, he made that. She got that. Yeah. Be ready for it, folks. July 1st. Name, image, and likeness is coming to you across the country. Exactly. I just hope they put a cap on the number that these kids can make because I think some of these football guys. Well, anyway, it's going, yeah, it's, it might come to that because I'm, I'm hearing some stuff tossed around. So, yeah. Ronald Huey. Head coach, U of H Women's Basketball. Thank you for the time, coach. You take care. Chris, always great, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for what you do for women's basketball as a whole and um, continue to be great. Thank you. Thanks, coach.